and welcome those of you that are joining us online as well. We're so glad that you are. Real quick before we get started, wanted to quickly mention that we are going to have a Christmas Eve service here, 5 p.m. on Saturday, December 24th, because that's Christmas Eve. So, <laughs> but Sunday, December 25th, we have no services. Instead, we'll have the Christmas Eve service on the 24th, Saturday night at 5 p.m. So you might want to make a note of that. So we have two services on Sunday mornings, as I'm sure you're aware. And for those of you who are not, uh, first service is the weekly Bible prophecy update that we do every week and have for many years. And second service is now the sermon. We're currently in a verse by verse study through Second Peter. We started last week in Second Peter. And today we're going to look at how Jesus has given us everything we could ever possibly need or want in and for our Christian lives. So that'll be live streamed at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time. And for those of you that are online watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we would like to encourage you at this time to go directly to the website jdfarag.org for the uncensored, uninterrupted entirety of today's update. And with that, let's get started. Got a lot to get to today. I want to talk with you about how we are now seeing the final puzzle pieces being put in place. And it's evidenced by just how fast everything is now coming together, which in turn is making the prophetic picture so much clearer, like a jigsaw puzzle with its many pieces. The more pieces you put together, the faster you're able to complete the puzzle. And it's for this reason that I chose this analogy, which is so apropos as it relates to the puzzle pieces of Bible prophecy. Here's the thing. Not only are all the final pieces being put in place, there's a swiftness with which this is now happening as it nears its completion. And one need look no further than to the book of Revelation to see this illustration <laughs> related to the prophetic puzzle completion. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed, John is told to write, is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. The only book in all the Bible that promises a blessing to those who will but read it, hear it, and take it to heart. And here's why, John continues, because the time is near. Some of your translations render that word quickly. In the Greek, it's the Greek word takos, from where we get our English word for 
the tachometers in our cars. It's a set time, minute, one minute, but it's a gauge of revolutions per minute, RPMs. That's the word that Jesus uses here when He says that the blessing is for those who will read it, hear it, and take it to heart. The prophecy in this book, because I'm coming. And at the time that I come, things are going to be revving up. And they are. Oh boy, are they. Uh, for those of you that are into cars, you'll appreciate this. I, um, I don't think I stole this from anybody. I, I think this is an original, so you're free to use it if you want. But um, you know how you have the red line on the RPMs on the tachometer? Uh, if you go past that, the engine will blow up. That's when we go up. Yeah. So if I stole that from somebody, can you please let me know? I'm happy to give credit where credit is due. But I think that's an original. So, and that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. So, <laughs> but here's a question. Uh, how is it that the book of Revelation can so bless all those who read it, hear it, and take it to heart. In other words, what's the why behind the what of the blessing in this book? Answer, knowing that the completion or end, if you prefer, is near, as things are revving up, well, that has the effect of settling us down, because we know how it ends. You know how it is when you're reading a book, or even for that matter, watching a movie or a series, and you get all nervous and worked up because of the plot, and as it thickens. And well, But if you know how it ends, yeah, no, we're good. There's going to be a season two, because I know how this ends. That's a poor illustration, but. So we know how it ends, and that's why we can be blessed when we read this book, hear this book, and take to heart the prophecies in this book. When you know how it ends, it will calm you, settle you, even encourage you. This answers another question of how does knowing about the unveiling or revealing, and I'm using those words for a reason, because that's what the word means. Now stay with me on this. Uh, the revelation. I know this is deeply profound. It's a revelation. Revealing. It's in the Greek, and this is sad, because it's the Greek word apocalypsos, from where we get our English word apocalypse, which is what scares everybody from reading this book. It's so apocalyptic. Do you know what the word apocalypsos in the Greek means? Unveiling, a, a revealing. It's a revelation. Well, what is it revealing? Twofold answer. The book of Revelation is just that, the prophetic revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. That's the blessing in reading, hearing, and taking to heart this book. 
Secondly, so too is it a revelation of just how close we are to the beginning of the seven year tribulation and the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the seven year tribulation. It's with this introduction that I would like to now draw your attention to just three of these final puzzle pieces that are being put into place. They are, number one, the biodigital controlling of the population. Number two, the reducing of the population. And number three, the damning of the population. Now, it's important to understand that all three of these final puzzle pieces are prophecies in the book of Revelation that will be fulfilled ultimately in the seven year tribulation. I want to start with the biodigital controlling of the population in this World Government Summit 2022 back on March 28th of this year. We actually covered this in a previous update. In it, a Dr. Pippa Malgren states, and I quote, what underpins a world order, world order, is always the financial system. What we're seeing in the world today, I think is, we are on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we are about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And the new one, the new accounting is what we call blockchain. <laughs> We've talked a lot about that. Still quoting, it means digital. It means having an almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. Most people think, now listen very carefully, most people think that digital money is crypto and private. But what I see are superpowers introducing digital currency. March, fast forward to a few weeks ago, and this stunning news about the New York Fed launching a 12-week CBDC pilot program with all of the major financial institutions. This centralized bank digital currency is the superpowers digital money that we're on the brink of, subsequent to the controlled demolition, which is really a pre-planned disintegration of the current economy. In quoting her, she said, we're going to abandon it. I think that's uh, understated. They're going to disintegrate it. They're going to destroy it. And they have to destroy it in order to usher in this new digital cashless economy. Well, suffice it to say that this particular puzzle piece is being put in place as we speak, and will find its ultimate and final fulfillment 
in the seven-year tribulation according to the 13th chapter of Revelation. You know this well. It is the prophecy concerning the mark of the beast, without which no one will be able to buy or sell. Now, this brings us to the second puzzle piece of reducing the global population, which again is foretold throughout the book of Revelation. Specifically, during the seven-year tribulation, most all of whatever is left of the global population will be ultimately killed. In other words, the majority of the people alive today will not be alive during the seven-year tribulation by virtue of these prophecies. Well now, Pastor, you're making the presupposition that we're that close to make a statement like that. Well, if you'll hear me out, uh, I will try to explain why that is absolutely the case. Now this begs the question of how a depopulation on such a large scale will come about. And the answer is found, of course, in the book of Revelation. And the reason being is that replete throughout the book of Revelation during the tribulation, we read about a prophesied genocide, a prophesied genocide. And truth be made known, it has already begun to come to pass, which is further evidence that we are on the cusp, I'll use her word if you don't mind, we're on the brink of the seven-year tribulation, and as such, the rapture of the church, which absolutely must come first. What follows is a summary of several prophecies in the book of Revelation, collectively and prophetically describing said genocide. First in Revelation 6-4, we're told that a great number of people will kill one another with a great sword, which would seemingly indicate that this will be a large percentage of the world's population. Then in the next two verses, Revelation 6, 5 and 6, the third seal is open, and we're told that there will be additional deaths due to a great famine. We're not given a percentage or a number. We're just told that there will be deaths due to a great famine. Add to these deaths, this is a cumulative now, the opening of the fourth seal in verses 7 and 8, and we're told that over a fourth, over a fourth of what's left of the population at that time, whatever that number is, will also be killed. Then it gets worse. If this weren't bad enough, Revelation 8, 9 through 11 tells us that many people will die from destroyed ships and poisoned waters. Actually, it's air, land, and sea, all of which have been poisoned. It will lead to the death of untold numbers of people. Then we're not done yet. Are you okay so far? You get to Revelation chapter, we're not going to be here for this, by the way. You better not be here. 
Revelation 9 verses 15 through 18, we're told that an additional one third of what's even left of that population are killed. So depending on the population of the earth at the time this is fulfilled, during the seven year tribulation, it would stand to reason that there wouldn't be many survivors. Again, dare I say that while this prophesied genocide is already happening, vis-a-vis -vis everything we now see taking place in the world today, the world ain't seen nothing yet, as they say. Now this ties into the third puzzle piece that I'd like to address for the remainder of our time together today. Uh, and I'm hoping to, by the help of the Holy Spirit, bring all of this together. Uh, and so all of us can see how it all fits together. But at this time we'll end the uh, live stream on YouTube and Facebook. I realize that when I start talking about things like the damning of the population, that it can seem rather blunt, a blunt way of describing it. But I do so because this is the end game. This is the end game. This is the end goal. I'll begin with this World Economic Forum interview of the Pfizer CEO Albert Borla by none other than Mr. Transhumanism himself, Klaus Schwab. I do want to parenthetically say that this uh, CEO of Pfizer, he was put in place, if I can say it like that, in 2019. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm, right on time, right on schedule. So this interview that I'm going to quote from was at the recent Davos meeting of the World Economic Forum this year. And here's a quote from the trans transcript. Schwab, you made today a very groundbreaking announcement this morning. Can you tell it to us a little bit more? Borla, we announced that we will offer all our patent protected medicines, all vaccines or medicines that currently exist in the U.S. or in Europe to the 45 poorest countries of the world. Listen to this. It is a population of 1.2 billion people at cost. And we also make the commitment that every year as we discover and bring to the U.S. or to Europe or to the world new medicines, automatically those new medicines will be inserted into the offer of the portfolio that you will offer into these countries. Hmm. I think that it's really fulfilling of a dream, more like a nightmare, a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 2019. The first week we met in January of 2019 in California to set up the, listen, goals for the next five years. 
One of them was by 2023. What time is it now? <laughs> Next month. Well, what is, pray tell, one of the goals that you had and set up in January of 2019 to fulfill in 2023? Answer, quoting, we will reduce the number of people in the world that cannot afford our medicines by 50 percent. Whoa, that's kind of cryptic a little bit, isn't it? And then he says, I think today this dream is becoming a reality. Okay, not so fast. Let's, we need to talk about this. Um, so one of your goals, sir, by 2023 is to reduce the number of people in the world. Oh, and then, no, reduce the number of people that cannot afford our medicines. Well, so you're going to give them these kill shots for free? Yeah. And what, what's going to happen when you do that? Well, we're going to reduce the population and the people in the world by 50 percent. Hmm. I just read something about that in the book of Revelation. Uh, oh, pastor, you're reading too much into this. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Come on. Have you watched this Pfizer CEO on TV when he talks? This guy is demon possessed at best, and he's transhuman at worst. If he's only demon possessed, there's a great chance that he's still redeemable. If he's not human anymore, then he's not redeemable. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. So why am I emphasizing this? Because every time you watch TV, which <laughs> I would not recommend anymore these days, but you'll notice one thing stand out. All of the commercials brought to you by Pfizer. Brought to you by Pfizer. Brought to you by Pfizer. Brought to you by... Oh, I get it now. So the advertising revenue to the tune of billions of dollars comes from these guys? I wonder if they have a say on what is broadcast on that broadcast, if they're the ones paying for it. Is it starting to fit now? Do you see those pieces coming together? You know, well, you can go back as far as you want, actually, um, into the last century, if you even wanted to bring it into a more modern day context. They've been talking about this from back in the 50s. Fast forward, and you got guys like Ted Turner saying there's too many people on the earth that are using up too much stuff. We've got to reduce the population. You got, of all people, Bill Gates in 2017 doing a TED talk, basically saying we've got to reduce the population. You got Henry Kissinger many, many years ago 
I can't even believe that guy's still around, but uh, he's come right out and said, we've got to reduce the population. That's been their plan all along. And it's a satanic plan. And God has foretold us in His Word that this is what they would do. So, by the way, this G20 leaders declaration in Bali, Indonesia on Wednesday, November 16th, we also covered this recently, it comports with their 2023 goal or dream, or better said, nightmare. And this by way of digitally certified and verified vaccine passports that will be predicated upon carbon credit scores, climate change. By the way, they're changing the climate. It's called weather manipulation, geoengineering. We want to refer you to Dane Wigington, geoengineeringwatch.org. They're poisoning the skies. They're poisoning the land, air, and sea. And then also this passport will control social credit scores. That's the digital currency. And then lastly, the vaccination, which is COVID compliance. Now, here's where I'm going with this. This is what I see as the missing puzzle piece that heretofore I couldn't quite see how it would ultimately fit until just recently. Now, the technology, we, we, we've talked about that for the better part of two plus years. I can see how the technology fits, how the, they're going to administer this by a tattoo mark palisade stamp on the forehead or the forehand, which is the word in the original Greek in Revelation 13, the word mark. We, we've already talked about the technology, but what I couldn't quite get to fit was the biology. So at what point does this become that which dooms and damns anyone who takes this mark. And this is the prophecy found in Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 through 11. So let's start with this prophecy. There's, by the way, some very interesting details here. So verse 9, Revelation 14. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, 
and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Wow. Uh, for all eternity, forever and ever. So first detail I want to point out. This is an angel that with a loud voice is warning people, which would infer that there are those who have not yet taken, or I should better say received, because that's another detail. Now why is that important? Because when they receive this mark, they will know what they're doing. This will be deliberate and decisive. They will not take or receive this mark unknowingly. They will not be duped. No, this is going to be a decision that they make, and they will know. And once they do, they will seal their fate for all eternity. They will be doomed and damned for all eternity. So another detail, and this is interesting to me, that it is included with and a part of the worship of the image. Now watch this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're given names. The three Hebrew slaves that refused to bow down and worship the image that was 60 cubits by six cubits with six instruments played. 666. It is a powerful prophetic picture of the Antichrist and the image. Well, they refused. Well, what happened to them? Well, they are taken and thrown into the fiery furnace that is turned up seven times hotter, seven. And they're saved in the midst of the seven times hotter fiery furnace. That's a picture of Israel. They will be saved in the midst of the seven year tribulation, seven, seven year tribulation. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So it was a deliberate decision to not worship the image, not receive the mark. You got that, right? They will know what they're doing. They won't be tricked into it. They will make this decision and whether or not to receive this mark and worship this image. Question, uh, where was Daniel? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. You asked, right? Well, I'm going to answer it. <laughs> Daniel, pre-furnace, was exalted, taken up to a high position, and is not there. Daniel is a picture of the church. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are a picture of Israel. We are taken up pre-furnace, 
pre-tribulation, and Israel is saved in the midst of the tribulation, because that's the purpose of the tribulation, is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. Can I give you two more? So you got pre-furnace. How about pre-famine? This one is so cool. Joseph, pre-seven-year famine takes a Gentile bride, pre-famine, and is never mentioned again in the seven-year famine. So now we've got pre-furnace and pre-famine. Here's a third one. Um, Pre-flood. This one's really cool. Okay, it's, they're all cool. But <laughs> so you've got Noah and his family. They were still pure and genetically intact. Their genes, their genetics were still intact. This is uh, Genesis 6. Very, <laughs> very uh, crucial and controversial. <laughs> but they were damned, which is why God destroyed the world in a flood, because of the seed of the serpent mixing with the seed of man. It had, it had altered their genetics. They were no longer human, and by extension, no, long, no longer redeemable. But Noah was found to be intact in his genetics. So Noah and his family go into the ark. They're there for seven days, ensconced safely in the ark, and then comes the judgment. Uh, we're told prior to this about a guy by the name of Enoch. I love Enoch. We're told that he, he walked with God, and then one day he was no more because God took him. Poof! Pre-flood. Enoch, a picture of the church. Noah and his family, a picture of Israel. Do you see how that all fits? I have a love for typology, <laughs> Bible prophecy and Bible typology, and their connection together. But all that to say this, this is going to be a decision that one either accepts or refuses. And they're going to know when that time comes that they are going to have to pledge their allegiance to the image and receive this mark, which will doom them forever and ever. This is no joke, man. This is real stuff. This is really going to happen. Now, the reason I refer to this as the missing puzzle piece is because the injection in its current form cannot be the mark of the beast yet, and won't become the mark of the beast until this final piece is put in place. Maybe I need to expound on that before I go any further. There are those who have received this injection that are born again Christians. 
It cannot be the mark of the beast, because they cannot lose their salvation. If they're born again of the Spirit of God, they cannot be unborn again. They're still saved. So it may cost them their life, but it will not cost them their eternal life. Well, I'll talk more about that in a moment. So the missing piece has been heretofore, how do you get from what this is now to what I just got done hearing this is going to be in Revelation 14? Because obviously that's a game changer. So what's the missing piece? The missing piece is the DNA piece. And I couldn't quite fit together yet. The technology, man, I, that fits perfectly. And by the way, I should probably hasten to say that anyone who would say, no, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast, you're right. It's not yet. Not yet. But it will be. It will be. The technology is exactly there. CRISPR-Cas9 technology. Picture in your mind a scissors going in and cutting your DNA, taking out a section of your DNA and replacing it. That's CRISPR-Cas9. That's the technology. This quantum dot tattoo powered by Luciferus, Lucifer, light bearer, Luciferus, that's what powers it, Luciferus, and it's already in this mRNA. You know what the M is? Messenger. What's the RNA? Oh, the RNA does all the work for the DNA. So the RNA gets the message, picture it as an email message if you want. So the RNA gets the email, here's the message, now get out there and we need a big group email to all the cells in the body. Well, what's the message? Oh, we need to make spike proteins. So the RNA goes about throughout the whole body and makes all of these spike proteins that will ultimately and eventually alter the human DNA when it becomes the mark of the beast. Now, this DNA piece it's not in this current injection, in its current form, because when it becomes a part of and a piece in the injection, which will actually not be an injection, but likely a stamp that delivers, or a Band-Aid looking uh, thing that has palisades, little spikes on it, little needles that administers whatever this is, well, it will result in one no longer being human, but rather transhuman. However, now, after all of this time and much prayer and much seeking of the Lord, I can now see how this piece now begins to fit. And here's how I get there when you see that the current injection, while not yet altering the human DNA, it is absolutely damaging the human DNA. Why is this important? Because it's part of the aforementioned prophesied genocide, 
which happens first and is beginning to happen now. And it's evidenced by the massive number of deaths already happening now as a direct result of the injection in its current form. It's not altering the human, but it is killing the human. Now, to the question of those who have received the current injection not dying or not dying yet, may I just humbly offer two thoughts on this. First, to those who haven't died or even won't die because of receiving this current injection, you can pray and thank God for His grace and His mercy because of His infinite love for you. It is the grace of God and the mercy of God. And if you're not born again, by the way, we're going to be talking about this in Second Peter today. It is really powerful. It's a, really an explanation of what it means to be born again. But if you're not born again, this is God's grace, because God is sovereign in His patience and long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but come to repentance. Now, by way of a preface to this second thought, let me say that I in no way have all of this figured out. I hope I don't come off like that. I will never have all the answers. But what I do have is what you too have, which is the Word of God and the God of the Word, to know and understand how prophecy will be fulfilled in the end. Do you realize this is why we have prophecy in our Bibles? God wants us to know. He doesn't want us to be ignorant about Bible prophecy. He wants us to know about Bible prophecy. He wants us to be informed about Bible prophecy. So with that preface, let me say secondly, those who have not died may still die. Which is why it's of paramount importance, if you're not saved, to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ now. Now. Well, what if you are saved? Okay, Matthew 10, verse 28. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And we just got done reading about hell being forever and ever in Revelation 14. Uh, before we move on, I just want to share this. I know that many of you, like me, have known people that received this injection and died. I know dear friends, pastor friends, who received the injection and died as a direct result of the injection. And they're absent from the body, and now they're present with the Lord. And yes, it's sad, but it does not even come close to comparing how tragic it will be for those who don't know Jesus Christ. Because that means it's not just your body that's being killed, but your soul 
will spend eternity in hell. This is not a life and death thing. This is an eternal life and eternal death thing. Now let's get back to the matter at hand concerning the DNA piece to this puzzle and how it fits when it goes from killing to also damning the population. Keep in mind that killing the population is just one piece of the puzzle, but the ultimate and final piece of the puzzle is not just killing, but damning. That's again the end game. We can only speculate and estimate in how we delineate the total number of people who will die and from what they die of based on the Revelation prophecies. I mean, we can speculate maybe there's still 3 billion people, 4 billion people, once you get into the tribulation. Also factor in with an 8 billion population, just rounded off, which it is now approximately. But how many people are going to be taken up in the rapture pre-tribulation? So what does that 8 billion become? And then we just went through this whole chronology of how many deaths there are going to be. And by the time you get to the end of that thing, how many people are actually left? This is why in the seven-year tribulation, when this final peace is put in place, it will fulfill prophecy by dooming a genetically altered humankind as it was in the days of Noah. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so too will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And he goes on to sort of specify what it was like in the days of Noah, the evil, the wickedness, the damnation on those people. And Jesus is saying that what it was like in the days of Noah, that's what it's going to be like when I return. That's what it's going to be like when, like Enoch, you are taken up and there no more. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> and it's going to be just like that. Well, if you want to get even more specific, you need but do a study. And boy, I tell you again, it's, it's crucial, which is why it's so controversial. But you have to understand Genesis 6. That is the key to understanding what Jesus said when He said that it will be like it was in the days of Noah. It was a genetically altered human because of the Nephilim. And they were no longer genetically human. Now, if you'll kindly allow me to, I'd like to quote from the transcript of a YouTube video from End Times Productions. Quoting, Our genomes have degenerated over time due to destructive mutations the further we get away from Adam. We're still humans, obviously. We're just really damaged humans. Adam was created perfectly in that his genetic architecture was impeccable. There was not a single error in his genetic code. 
He was exactly and precisely crafted to be human without defect. However, the amount of genetic mutations that are passing down through the generations are causing more hereditary genetic defects than our ancestors. And it's leading to an explosion of genetic diseases, most notably cancer. Let me, I'm not quoting, I just want to mention this again parenthetically. Have you been reading the same reports that I've been reading about the explosion in cancer since this injection was released? Rare cancer. Again, it's a, anyway, I'm going to quote again. Cancer is fundamentally the result of a mutation in a gene. The fundamental problem is that we are devolving. We're experiencing a drastic genetic decline that is now accelerating because of all the mutagens that we're being exposed to in our environment. Again, land, air and sea. So the trajectory of genetic degeneration, which is a downward trajectory, is coalescing with the upward trajectory of transhumanism. Now listen to this. They're going to have to incorporate technology into biology in order to move into the future. And it's no coincidence that the decline of the human is happening at the end of the age. I want to set this up before I finish uh, quoting this. Um, you know that Satan knows Bible prophecy better than you and I ever will, right? Uh, he knows how it ends too. He also, very intelligent, he knows about the human genome. Uh, nothing new under the sun, as it were. He's just kind of repackaging uh, what he did in Genesis 6, only he's using modern day technology to accomplish the same thing. Because ultimately his goal is the damnation of mankind. So how's he going to do it? Well, let's alter the human DNA, and then they're no longer human. And as such, they're no longer redeemable. Now, let me get back to the quote. This is very, very interesting and important. The Son of God, according to the Scriptures, became a man to redeem, reconcile, and restore mankind. But He had to become a man in order to do it. You had to be a kinsman redeemer. And that's why the Old Testament book of Ruth lays out this idea. For those of you that were with us when we had our verse by verse study through Ruth, the typology is off the charts. The kinsman redeemer, Boaz, a picture of our kinsman redeemer, Jesus the Christ. Kinsman. You have to be in my family, a kinsman redeemer. You have to be one of me. <laughs> Let me try that again. You have to be a human to redeem human as the kinsman redeemer. You have to be of the same bloodline, if you will. So he goes on quoting 
he's speaking of Jesus, had to become one of us to redeem us. Salvation in our kinsman redeemer had one stipulation, you must be human for salvation in Christ. Now do you think Satan knows that? So if they're not human, then they, they can't be saved. Exactly. Exactly. One more thing on this, and it has to do with why I chose this screenshot. You'll notice the highlighted area of trisomy 18. As many of you know, our daughter Noelle died, having been diagnosed with trisomy 18, which is a third copy of the number 18 chromosome. Uh, when we met with a geneticist, we were provided with a detailed explanation of Noel's genome and why trisomy 18 is deemed, quote, incompatible with life in the medical field. I'll never forget when they used that phrase. It's still burned indelibly on my mind and my heart. Incompatible with life. Translated, your daughter will die. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And that's if she survives the birth, which she did by the grace of God. We were able to resuscitate her. She required round-the-clock care. My wife and I slept in shifts to take care of her. But, and we knew it was just going to be a matter of time. And this because of her anomaly in her DNA, which DNA is the human code. So if there's an error in that code, like a computer error, when, when your hard drive gets corrupted, you have to overwrite it with a new code, if a file gets corrupted. Well, her DNA code had been, there was an error in the code. It shouldn't have that third copy of that number 18 chromosome. So her genome being corrupted with this error, eventually led to pneumonia. And it resulted in her death when she came into contact with a common cold virus, also known as a coronavirus. Her immune system was rendered inoperative by virtue of her genome being so damaged, which ultimately led to her death back in May of 2006. On December 28th, coming up, she will have been 17 years old. For me personally, this finally made sense, as I understood how this missing piece will ultimately be put in its proper prophetic place, exactly as God's Word said it would. I can now see how the world will go from the injection damaging and even killing humans to the Revelation 14 prophecy of the injection becoming the mark of the beast to alter and damn humans, according to that prophecy in Revelation 14. I hope you don't tire of me saying this, but this is how it ends. This is when it ends. This is the way 
it ends. Period. And Bible prophecy provides us with this end game. So we'll not only know we're at the end, but more importantly, we'll also get right with the Lord. So we're ready for the Lord. And the only way to get right with Jesus and be ready for Jesus is to believe in Jesus, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And this by way of the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ that can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first four verses. What is the gospel? Oh, good news, your debt has been paid, you're free to go. Because Jesus came and He died for you instead of you. He was buried, He rose again on the third day, and He's coming back again one day soon and very soon. Good news. That's the gospel. Very simple. Also, <laughs> a simple childlike explanation of salvation by way of the ABCs of salvation. We do this only because it's just a simple way to explain to somebody how to be saved. The A is for admit or acknowledge. When you come to that place that you realize that you're a sinner, it's then that you realize your need for the Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all born sinners, which is why we must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now Romans 6.23 starts off with the bad news first, which has merit, by the way. Because when you take people to the law and they see themselves reflected in the mirror of God's perfect law, they see themselves as God sees them, a lawbreaker. They've transgressed, they've sinned. Because this is God's perfect standard of righteousness. How do you measure up? Well, I, I blew it, all 10 of them. Actually, I, I can add a few more if you want. <laughs> um, I, I'm a sinner. And so then when I realize that I'm a sinner, and the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, then the Holy Spirit comes and takes me to the Savior. Why? Because the Savior has a gift that He purchased and paid for in full on that cross. And the gift is eternal life in Christ. That's what the gift is. So the penalty, the wages, is death, the wages of sin. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the A. Here's the B. And this is central, by the way. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Th this means you put your trust in Him. You believe on Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would but believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. That's definite. <laughs> There's no tentative anything about that. No, you will be saved. And then lastly, the C is for call upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth 
Jesus is Lord. And by the way, speaking of damnation and salvation, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess with their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. However, big distinction between the two. The confessing with your mouth, believing in and acknowledging that Jesus is Lord now is for salvation. But there is coming a time when it'll be too late and your knee will bow and your tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, but it will be for damnation. That's heavy, isn't it? It should be. It should be. Romans 10, 13 lastly says, all who call upon the name of the Lord, and here it is again, very definite, will be saved. I implore you, please, 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 please. If you've never called upon the name of the Lord, believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord, do it today. Today is the day of salvation. Please, I'm, I'm pleading with you, I implore you, do not put off or delay the most important decision of your life for eternal life. Today, call upon Him. Well, today's But God testimony is very special because it comes from Brian Mendoza and his family, who I had the profound privilege of meeting, baptizing, and even doing a baby dedication when they visited back in June. So here's what he wrote. Aloha, Pastor JD and CCK family. My family and myself are so grateful to God and your entire church family for the opportunity for all of us to be baptized in June. It was an amazing experience and one we will never forget. I wanted to send you this letter and photo just to thank you. This was a prayer that God finally answered. We didn't get to share our testimony with you, therefore I thought I should share it with you in this letter. My wife and I both grew up in Christian homes and later in our lives we both somehow drifted away from God's path, but never lost our faith or our principles or beliefs. When we both met, we felt an immediate connection. But what actually made us realize we were meant for each other was our faith. We got married and raised our family while always keeping our faith and beliefs, but never congregated in a church, as we never felt the calling we expected when the Lord speaks to your heart that you're where He wants you to be. My wife then stumbles across one of your Bible prophecy videos and immediately sends it to me saying, I think I found what we've been looking for. Bible prophecy has always fascinated me because it is, and I like this, it is the promise and the proof. It is the promise and the proof. The way that message came across was easy to digest, and it was applicable to the world we live in today, and we just felt both the conviction and the calling. God placed a fire inside my wife, so much so that she had to talk to me and told me she was all in as she felt it in her soul. She told me to get on board as only a wife can, <laughs> because God has a calling for our family. And the way we were going, we were drifting further away without even noticing it. To be honest, at the time I 
felt dirty and unprepared to even try to rekindle my relationship with our Lord. My wife went to battle for months and prayed for myself and our family. It was around Christmas time, 2019, when I felt God working in my life, and I began to feel hunger for His Word, hungry for His presence. I began listening to all the Bible prophecy and Bible study broadcasts and podcasts, you poor guy, during my drives to work and while working, because they're so long, you can, I guess. But God began, to, God began to work on our family, and I began to seek Him more. 2020 came along, and COVID came along, and with that came the biggest spiritual battle we had faced up to now. We both work in hospitals, as we are respiratory therapists directly working with all of these patients. We saw everything and saw many deceptions. We prayed even harder for our family, for our health, for everyone we treated, and for discernment over everything going on, as it did not make sense. The way we were treating patients actually went against our simple understanding of the respiratory system. Doctors were scared of patients, which caused many to die because of delay of care. Vaccines came about, and we knew this is where we drew the line. We were prepared to lose it all, our jobs, our home, our finances, because God had placed that in our hearts. We were attacked by our families, co-workers, friends, and were isolated just because we felt God was leading us not to get injected. Then you mentioned you were giving out religious exemption letters. Your staff I have the most amazing staff in the world, literally in the world, the whole world. Your staff sent it within a week, and we prayed for God to move the heart of our employers to allow us to work with exemptions. God made it possible for our letters to be accepted, and till this day we have had no issue working through the entire process. In this, God was glorified as many people began asking questions, why? What does God say about vaccines? What makes you so sure in God? And what is your faith? This led us to the Word and led many to receive your Bible prophecy videos, specifically the decision time updates and the explanation of the ABCs of salvation. Through it all, our twin boys, my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law, began listening to the Word and reading the Word, and began to see how God made sure we were taken care of through all the chaos around us. My wife, who had never been baptized in water and wanted to do it where she rekindled her relationship with our Savior, almost a year and a half later, in constant prayer, she told me that flights did not require vaccine proof for domestic travel, and to email you to see if that was a possibility. She felt the urge that God was telling her now is the time, as she was already six and a half months pregnant. April 27th, Pastor Mac answered my email and told me you were having baptisms on June 5th. Our prayers have been answered. We talked it over with the whole family, and everyone jumped in joy and said, we're all going to go and get baptized. 
We got permission from the school for the boys to take their exams early, asked work for vacation requests, and booked our hotel and flight within the next weeks. Being there was everything and more. We felt God's hand in everything that happened. As soon as we stepped into your church, we felt so loved and welcomed. Our brothers and sisters in Christ received us with such love as if we have known everyone for years. Being baptized and presenting and dedicating our daughter to the Lord was very special for our whole family. God has blessed us tremendously, and sharing this story with people has sparked a lot of curiosity, which then leads to conversations and watering of that seed many of our friends had planted years ago. And just as an update, we delivered our baby boy Elijah Gray Mendoza July 30th at home. The midwife, get this, did not make it in time. But God <laughs> gave me the courage, knowledge, and wisdom to deliver him at home, surrounded by love and prayer. He's healthy and strong, just as God promised he would be. Uh, Brian, we need a picture of him, please. We love you. We are praying for you and with you. God bless you. Brian Mendoza, Edith, wife, Jason and Jesus, the twin boys, they are so cool. Um, Emery, that's the daughter that I had the privilege of dedicating. Elijah, their newborn son, and Rafaela, mother-in-law, and Michelle, sister-in-law, as pictured here. I love it when God does that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Why, why do you do that to me? <laughs> Father in heaven, thank you. God, you're just so good. We are just in awe of you, God. Who is like unto you, O Lord? There is none. There is none. Lord, I know that we covered some very detailed information and complex in a way. But you, O Lord, by the Holy Spirit can give us understanding. And that's what we're going to ask you for. Lord, we're seeing all the pieces now fitting into place exactly as you said they would. And so, Lord, for us, those of us that have been walking with you and know you, and are so ready for you to come. This is very encouraging and very exciting, because we know how close we are. But for those who do not, this can be terrifying, and rightfully so. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who is just terrified by what we looked at today, that it would have the much needed effect of bringing them to you, so they can settle that today and change everything. And instead of having it be terrifying, they too can have it be exciting, knowing that your return for us in the rapture can happen at any time. Oh Lord, come quickly, Maranatha, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.